The first part of this is going to seem a bit, more, a bit like a lecture. I'm so sorry about that, but I've got to get through some sort of um, concepts before we get into the meat. But actually, it's worth getting through, so stick with me, because we're actually we're going to find out today how prayer works. And we're going to begin in Hebrew cosmology. <laughs> That's the way the Hebrew mind saw the world and how it all worked. Um, and whilst this is not the way the world is in our modern understanding, it is the world from a spiritual perspective, as you'll see as we un- un- unwrap it. It may sound like I'm suggesting an ancient view of the world this morning, but, but that's not what I'm doing. I'm suggesting that that's how they saw it, but what they were seeing was beyond that into a spiritual reality, a spiritual dimension. So as we go through it, please bear with me. So, that's how the Hebrews saw the world. I'll describe it to you. Um, Here we have the world as a flat, round disc. Um, Underneath it were the pillars that held it up. And then um, over it was what was called the firmament, which was like an upside-down bowl with the sun, the stars, and the moon, and everything in them. Now, I can illustrate this from Scripture. Oh, I should also say that under the earth here is the... The waters under the earth that are spoken of in scripture. And over this firmament here is the waters above the earth. And as you read through Psalms, you'll see those two words used. The waters under the earth, the waters above the earth. And the picture was this. And we'll see it from Genesis 1. Genesis 1 verse 1 to, to 2 says, God created the heavens and the earth. And then it says, the earth was without form and void. It was formless. It was It was a mess when it was first created, okay? And what the picture was, was that the waters of chaos were covering this flat disk. And so you couldn't see any earth, all you could see was this water. And it was chaotic, and there were sea monsters in it, in, in the Hebrew mind. And you'll see them referred to in books like Job and, in, and elsewhere, and in some of the Psalms, people like the Leviathan and the Rahab and, people, and creatures like that. You don't need to know much about them, just to know that they, they represented... In the Hebrew mind, the forces of chaos that were trying to stop God from creating a perfect world. They are representative of spiritual forces that restrict and work against the work of God. And then can someone read for me Genesis 1-6? Genesis chapter 1 and verse 6. Anybody? Let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. Okay. So there's a separation of the waters at that point. There's these waters of chaos, and, and God, it, what it says is God separated the waters. So he set some of them under the earth uh, there, and some of them above the earth there. That's where he built the firmament of the sky in the Genesis um, narrative. Um, so we have the... Um, all of these waters of chaos that are hostile to God and God has separated them to make the land come forth and to make dry land appear so that he could then create this perfect world that he was aiming to create. I think I've covered all that there. Um, 
So the Old Testament word up here for heaven. Where? I've lost my pointer. There it is. Heaven is the word Shemaim. Now, the significance of that is that it was a plural word. God didn't create one heaven above the sky. He created heavens. Now, you know that from Ephesians chapter 6, it says, Our wrestling match is not with flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Where does the battle take place? In heaven. So let me illustrate it on this board now. You'll forgive me if I move over to here and go less high-tech. We have the earth, the firmament, and then we have I did, actually. But I can't do those kind of illustrations. I'm, I'm more of a painter. <laughs> so we've got the earth, our sky that we see above us, the sun, the moon, the stars. We've got the second heaven, and we have the third heaven. Okay? Paul says in, one, in 2 Corinthians 10, he was caught up to the third heaven. In other words, he was caught up to the place where God dwells and where his throne is. That's a throne, by the way, if you hadn't guessed that. Um, and in the second heaven is the place where Satan dwells with all his fallen angels. They don't dwell on earth, they dwell up here. Okay? And it's very clear in other scriptures. I could refer to Jude chapter 6, where it says that, sorry, verse 6, where it says that the fallen angels were assigned a particular realm in the heavens in which was their dwelling. And there are other scriptures. We could, we, I could spend two hours speaking about all the scriptures, but I, don't, I just want to get through this to get to the point of where we want to go. So the image is that although they saw the earth like that, there is a spiritual reality behind it, whereby in the dimension, the spiritual dimension, there are two areas. There is the second heaven and there is the third heaven. The second heaven is the place where the Satan and his angels dwell. The third heaven is where God and his angels dwell which is where his throne room is, and from where he rules the universe and all things. Okay. Now, when man fell, this realm came under the authority of Satan. Jesus says he is the God of this world. This whole realm came under his domain. Are we with it so far? Any questions? Any thoughts? That's, that's a Greek idea that has nothing to do with the Bible. <laughs> However, there is a slight um, a variation on that. This area here is Sheol, which they saw as being under the earth. Sheol is the Old Testament name for the place of waiting after you die before judgment. And that was then com- translated into the Greek as Hades. And that all got mixed up in medieval thought and became hell. But it's not. Hades is not hell. But we won't go down that line right now. So, we've got this picture. The earth. 
second heaven, third heaven. Now turn with me to Daniel in chapter 10. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I'll just pick out certain verses for the sake of time. Starting at verse 1. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, who was named Belshazzar. And the message was true and one of great conflict, but he understood the message and had an understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, had been mourning for three entire weeks. I did not eat any tasty food, nor did eat meat or wine into my mouth, nor did I use any ointment at all until the entire three weeks were completed. On the 24th day of the first month, while I was by the bank of the great river that is the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, there was a certain man dressed in linen, whose waistband was girded with belt of pure gold of Euphaz. And he goes on to describe this man. And then if we drop down to verse 12, then he said to me, Do not be afraid, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart on understanding this and on humbling yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I've come in response to your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia was withstanding me for 21 days. And then behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I have been left there with the king of Persia. Uh, Drop down to verse 20. Then he said, do you understand why I've come to you? But I shall now return to fight against the prince of Persia. So I'm going forth and behold, the prince of Greece is about to come. However, I tell you that inscribed in the writing of truth, yet there is no one who stands firmly with me except um, me with me against these forces, except Michael, your prince. And this is the picture. Daniel realized something important was happening with regard to Israel. The time that had been prophesied had come to an end. So he set himself to pray. And on day one, he set himself to pray and fast. And he prayed and fasted for 21 days. Now what happened on day one for Daniel... There's Daniel. He's kneeling down. He's praying. His prayer went up to heaven and was heard in the throne room of God. And on day one, God dispatched his messenger to come. But he got as far as the second heaven. And then for 21 days, there was a battle going on in the second heaven. Before that angelic messenger could come to earth and get through and come and give Daniel the answer. 21 days his prayer took to be answered. It was answered on the first day. But there was a battle that had to go on in the heavens before he could receive the answer to his prayers. You get that? So something was going on here in response to Daniel's prayers on earth. His prayers and fasting which enabled the battle in here to be won. And what happened is as a result of his prayers another angel was dispatched who held back what the angel who was called the prince of Persia who was the demonic force or the angelic fallen angelic force over Persia who was reigning over there to hold him back so that then the angel could come to earth. What was happening here was affecting what goes on up there.
and it continues to do so. That's why our wrestling match, our battle, is not on earth, but in the heavenly places. And if we want to see anything at all happen on earth, we have to win the battle up there. That's why prayer is important. That's what this series is all about. So, there's Daniel. Our prayers are are effective. As we pray, we influence things in the heavenlies, which affect things on earth. Daniel persisted in prayer for three weeks, and it was as a result of his prayers that the battle in the heavenlies was won, and the answer could get through to him. Daniel prayed out of revelation. That was what was going on. I believe sometimes we give up before the answer comes. We pray once. We pray perhaps a few times. Oh, God hasn't answered my prayer. What's the point in praying? We have to persist in prayer. We have to keep going. We have to know that we're in the will of God and keep praying into the will of God until we see the kingdom of God come to earth, until we see the will of God in heaven that's being done, being done on earth. We have to continue to pray. We have to press through because there's a battle to be won up here. It's not just that God is deaf and doesn't hear us. It's that we, in our prayers, when we start to pray into these things, we enter into a battle in the heavenly realms. And as we persist... And as we prevail, so we see the victory won in the heavens that will bring the blessing of God to the earth. Have you ever had your prayers not answered? Maybe you gave up too soon. It's a possibility. The satanic host will try and stop the answers getting through to the earth. earth. In order to get our answer, it may require us praying and fasting for a period. It may require us to press on, even when it seems our prayers aren't being listened to. As we do so, we are waging war so that heaven heaven um, will overcome. God's work will, will overcome the work of the enemy. And when we pray, we open up a pathway between heaven and earth. We make a break in the second heaven so that the blessing and the answer can come through we remove the resistance to the will of god being done on earth as it is in heaven and our prayers can create an open heaven over where we are if we neglect to pray let us not be surprised if the heavens remain shut to our desires if we don't see the blessing of god amongst us if we don't see the breakthrough we will only see it if we pray now turn over to luke in chapter 18 Verse 1. Now he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not to lose heart. And I think another translation says, and persist in prayer. Saying, in a certain city there was a judge who did not fear God and did not respect man. There was a widow in that city, and she kept coming to him saying, give me legal protection for my opponent. For a while he was unwilling, but afterwards he said to himself, even though I do not fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow bothers me, I will give her legal protection. Otherwise, by continually coming, she will wear me out. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge said. Now will not God bring about justice for his elect who cry to him day day and night? And will he delay long over them? 
I tell you that he will bring about justice for them quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? And Jesus was saying that we have to be like that persistent widow who's determined to see justice for herself. In our case, we come before a just judge in the heavens. We don't come before an unrighteous judge like in the parable. But there is still a case to be answered. You see, one of the titles of Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And Satan comes into the third heaven. He's allowed access. And he stands before the throne of God. And all day he stands there accusing you and me before the throne. He's not good enough. You can't answer his prayers. He's living in sin. You can't possibly respond to him. How can he have the, the answer to his prayers when he's, he's doing all this? That's what Satan's doing before the throne of God every day. And he's right. We are sinners. We do live in sin. We are disobedient to God. We're not submitted to him in all his his ways. Why should God respond to our prayers? It's obedience that leads to blessing. And disobedience leads to removal of blessing. So why should God answer when Satan's standing there accusing us and he's totally right? Fortunately, we have two things we can do. Firstly, Jesus is pleading our our part. But in the same passage in Revelation where it says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren, it also says they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony and because they they were willing to to, uh, give up their life even unto death. Three things. Three things that prevail over Satan. Firstly, it's you and I coming frequently before the throne and saying, God, I confess my sin. I deal with it. I thank you that the blood of Jesus has overcome my sin. That takes away the ground of accusation. If we don't come frequently before the throne, then effectively there's a build-up of unconfessed sin that Satan is absolutely in his right to accuse us of. Whereas if we come frequently before the throne, we deal with that. We take it away by the blood of Jesus. And we release the possibility of the blessing of God coming upon us. If we're going to not come before the throne and not confess our sin, then we leave ourselves with no options. That's why Jesus said in the, in the Lord's Prayer that we should pray, forgive us our sins. As we forgive those who sin against us. Keep us from having that build-up of unconfessed sin that gives Satan the ground to accuse us before the throne. But they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by pleading what the blood of the Lamb has already achieved on the cross for them. And by the testimony of their word, Jesus has set me free. I am set free by the power of the, from the power of Satan. He has overcome the sin that was in my life. He has overcome all the the um, negativity of the past. I stand here free because of what Jesus has achieved for me on the cross. Therefore, I can stand in righteousness, clothed in the righteousness of God, and I can plead my case before the throne. And then the third thing was they were willing to give up everything. They were not holding back. They were not saying, Lord, you can have this bit of my life, but I'll keep this bit over here. They were totally sold out. And everything was on the altar. They were not willing to hold anything back. And therefore, they overcame. 
Do we want to overcome? Then everything has to be given over. Nothing held back. Do we want to see our prayers answered? Well, you can't have a bit of God, but this bit for myself. Everything has to be on the altar. Because it's a courtroom situation. And Satan knows his rights. And he will enforce them in every possibility. In the case of this woman coming before the judge, um, her request was heard because she came constantly, she came frequently, she was there, she was confessing, she was dealing with the judge. We too need to be the same persistent people to overcome the accusation of Satan and bring the kingdom of God to earth. When we persist in our request, we take away the ground that Satan has for stopping the request being heard and granted. We overcome the resistance of the enemy to the will of God being done on earth as it's done in heaven. We affirm that we want God to rule over the situation instead of the enemy. And this affirmation opens up the way for a God to act on earth. You see, we said earlier that that actually Satan is the God of this world. And everybody who submits to his rule actually is saying we want Satan to rule here. And as we submit to God's rule and we come before him in prayer, we say we want God to rule over that situation. But if we're living compromised lives, we're saying I want Satan to rule over that bit and God to rule over that bit. Whose kingdom are we in? But when we side with God, when we deal with the sin when we come before his throne frequently, when we plead before him for what we desire and what he has revealed to us is his will. And as we continue to come, then he will be pleased because we bring, we, we reach up and we drag the kingdom of God to earth. We make a way in the heavens. We break open a gap for the blessing of God to come to earth. We make the reality of the kingdom of God come here. You and I can make a difference. But if we don't pray, we will make no difference. I could have, of course, have spent two hours on this, but I just wanted to get something across. Is there anything, any questions, anything? That is his, him looking forward because that actually happens in Revelation. Satan still has as much authority, yeah, he still has access in heaven because he is still the accuser of the brethren and he still has authority for where people will not sub- submit to God's rule. When they submit to Satan's rule, then he still has authority in those realms. Th- what it says, of course, in Hebrews chapter 2 is Jesus is in, in control over everything, but we don't see, yet see everything coming under his authority. And actually, our role as bringing people to faith is also bringing them out from under the authority of Satan and under God's authority. And that's how the kingdom of God comes to earth. Are we okay?
We wanted to finish with a song. Because I don't know how else to finish this. <laughs> so I'll invite Ali, Ali to come back up. <laughs>